Life is unfair. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song by song podcast about the greatest band of all time. That is correct. It's They Might Be Giants. Here, I'm with the singer of another great band, a band called Hopalong. I'm here with Francis Quinlan to talk about the They Might Be Giants song, She's an Angel. I met someone at the dog show She was holding my left arm But everyone was acting normal So I tried to look nonchalant We both said I really love you The Shriners loaned us cars We raced up and down the sidewalk 20,000 million times Why did they send her? Should I react? These things happen to other people They don't happen at all In fact, when you're following an angel Does it mean you have to throw your body off a building? Somewhere they're meeting on a pinhead Calling you an angel, calling you the nicest thing I heard they had a best program When they sing, you can't hear there's no I kinda like that And other times I think I'm already there Francis, how's it going? Good, how are you? I am great. I'm so glad to finally talk to you. It's been a long time coming. Yes, it's been... It's uh, good to talk to you, too. <laughs> Catching you in between tours. Last time I tried to talk to you, you were in... Because you're, you're, uh, you're based in Philly, yeah. Correct. I believe last I was in Sacramento. Or yeah, I was outside of Sacramento the last time. You were all the way across the country. And then on Wednesday, you're going to Europe, right? Correct. Yeah. How we big are. of a European tour is that, uh, are you doing? It's not too wild. Uh, it's uh, about, I think we'll be out three weeks. But nice. Lots of, nice, nice. Yeah, some flying in between dates, a couple festivals, a lot of UK States, Belgium, Germany. Nice. I've never been lucky enough to do uh, European tours, though I am going to Milwaukee in June. (laughs) (laughs) Doing a little thing with one of my bands, but with uh, the baby now and, you know, career stuff, all that, you know, do what I can. But uh, that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, For my listeners that don't know Hop Along, you want to tell a little, tell us all a little something about Hopalong to to get the people hip, hip to the jive. Sure, like the history. I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah, a little bit of that. I know you started when you were real young, right? Yeah, it started. Uh, technically, it started in two thousand four. Um, wow. So in a, in a couple of years, I'll have been doing this for half my life. Sort of bizarre. Wow. Uh, yeah, I started right before, like right as I was getting into college, and because uh, I used to play music with my my oldest stepbrother, um, and then when I knew I was, you know, going away to school in Baltimore, I figured I better start my own project. And for some reason, I just I didn't want to go by my own name. I wanted to, you know, sound like a project and not a solo artist. Uh, right, so I came right. up with the name Hop Along Queen Anne's Lace and made an album called Freshman Year. Uh, it was 16 songs, way too many. And uh, 
put that out on oh, CD. They might be giants would tell you otherwise. <laughs> That's the perfect amount true, of socks. True. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I always wanted to be in a, in a band. Um, I wanted that full sound and the camaraderie. I mean, I would go on tour and see bands playing and think, God, that looks like so much fun. And then in 2008, I graduated from college and my brother Mark, um, his band was just breaking up and he was, he's a drummer. And so we started playing together that summer. Uh, we went through a couple formations. You know, my friend Dom was playing guitar with us at first. And then um, in 2009, Tyler joined on bass. And then Joe started working with us on the album, the, our first full length as a band, Get to Sound. That's Joe is the producer, engineer, mixer. And then a couple years later, he joined the band, and so that's the formation we are now. Me, Mark, nice. Joe, Tyler. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we did Paint and Shut with John Ignello, and then after that, we did Bark Your Head Off, Dog, self-produced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being on Saddle Creek Records, I mean, I grew up on that stuff. That's got to be pretty wild. Were you listening to Saddle Creek stuff back uh, when you were younger? Sure, sure was. I got that... Uh, that Saddle Creek 50 compilation when I was a senior in high school. I was super yeah. into that. Uh, now it's overhead song, a wonderful scar. I loved Rilo Kiley, oh, Azure Ray. Of course, huge have you, bright eyes. Have you heard family. the new, uh, have you heard the new Jenny Lewis album? It's awesome. Yeah. She's it's terrific. great. It's great. Yeah. Let's uh let's play let's let's play the listeners some hop along. And so you put out the excellent uh Bark Your Head Off Dog, uh, which I can relate to as my dog would not shut up before we hit record here. Uh <laughs> uh came out last year and I am a really big fan of the instrumentation, all the little extra flourishes you got on this album. Um Is there any song in particular you'd like to play or else I I I was gonna say not able, but would that be representative of the album? I don't know. What, what do you think we should play? Sure. I mean, that was one of the singles we put out. I think that was the second single we put out was Not Able. Or no, yeah. I don't remember. I think so. It's a great one. <laughs> I that. All right. Let's play that one. So here's Hop Along with Not Able. fan of the strings the pizzicato strings and stuff in there it's very uh very well arranged thank you and your voice sounds excellent on this record it's like very i don't know the the breadth of uh you know timbres that you cover with your voice uh throughout this album especially is just uh it's, it's pretty incredible thank you 
for a lot of time into those dang vocals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, that's the hardest part. I mean, I I produce some records too, and uh, I've I've uh, I do some work at Sonic Iguana. Are you familiar with Sonic Iguana? No, no, the, great uh, name. Pop punk studio. They did like f- at least fifty percent of the Lookout catalog in the nineties, probably. Well, but some. Uh, bigger budget acts will come through there on occasion and there will be times where it's just doing like 10 hour days of vocals. I'm like, that's, it's, it's too long. That's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, uh, yeah. And it could be tough, you know, just chugging honey, trying to keep your, your, your throat from giving out on you. I know it can be tough. Well, so uh, it's like the best thing is water. That's like the, the one thing. Oh yeah, that for sure. To consume. It's so boring. Water. What a drag. <laughs> I know. You'll hear people be like, oh, yeah, whiskey. It's so good for your voice. I'm like, no, you just want an excuse to to drink in the vocal booth. Come on. Yeah, everyone else is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is just sitting there. They're all done with their parts. Chilling in the vocal booth. Yep. 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 There's a lot of pressure in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, sh- you guys got new songs in the works too? Or are you pretty much just focusing on the touring? You're doing a lot of touring this year. Yeah, we're currently focused on the touring. I mean, we're still in the cycle, and uh, sure. it'll be nice to have like a really good chunk of time to to work on writing on the next the next batch of songs. Totally, totally looking forward to it. Uh, so, okay, so let's get into. They might be giants. Uh, so I got your um, the recommendation to talk to you from Hutch Harris, who uh, people heard on the, de- the Dead episode. And he's from The Thermals. He just put out a really excellent solo uh, album as well. He got me in touch with you. And uh, I've heard that you two have live done a version of Dead. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, such a great track. Yeah, and 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 he told me I don't know if he quite promised me, but he told me that it would probably get recorded at some point, and I'm going to hold him to that. Oh man, <laughs> I really want to hear it. Are there no? There's mm-hmm. no videos floating around YouTube or anything of this. None that I'm aware of. It only happened the the once. Yeah. Just one time. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, in L.A. And it was a it was a guitar based version, right? Correct. Because that yeah. that can be tricky to take a song that's so. I mean, it's just, I mean, the original is just piano and vocals. Take something like that and put it on guitar can be tricky sometimes. I'm really, that's that's really why I want to hear it, because it sounds like, uh, and you guys do some harmonies and stuff, too? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, that's the thing, too. They might be giants uh, kill on the harmonies. They write oh, yeah. the strangest layered vocals. I don't know how they, I don't know how they do that. Yeah. Definitely something I envy. Uh, I'm trying to figure that harmony well. out. I, I, I don't know. Oh, it oh. seems simple, but it's odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and John Linnell, I mean, that's a John Linnell song. Some of his chord progressions can seem pretty wacky to a guitarist because, you know, different stuff makes sense with when you got two hands on a piano than, you know, strumming a guitar. So that can be that can be tricky. Uh, well, if that ever does get committed to tape, or even uh, if there's a video that has decent audio, I would love to put that on the pod sometime. So, keep me posted if that ever happens again. Can do. <laughs> so, uh, when uh, and how did you get into They Might Be Giants? 
Uh, so I got into them. It was kind of funny. I'm, <laughs> I'm of the generation that kind of grew up like, like I was really young when I heard them and, uh, I just thought they were hysterical. I mean, yeah. and the funny thing is I had a number of teachers that would play them in class. Really? Like my, nice. Yeah. My social studies teacher played the Istanbul song. I remember, uh, <laughs> in seventh grade. Yeah. And I think that same year I, I had a science teacher, Mr. Harley. He played, uh, the sun is a mass of incandescent gas. Oh, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> teachers. Actually, the one who played Istanbul, I, I couldn't stand her. She was the worst, but she did play that song. <laughs> like the one thing to her credit. Yeah. That she did. But before that, I mean, I was even younger when um when I heard Flood. Uh, I would listen to that with my dad, um, with my cousins. My cousins and I both, like we, all three of us, really loved um, listening to that record. And Dead was just, I mean, I still think it's the, the prettiest song on the album. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and it's just it's so- just such a weird song to describe because it, yeah, it, it's it's pretty, but it's called dead and talking about you know a person being decapitated. I mean, it's it's just such a weird, it's such a weird thing to pull off that, that they did there to, to to call something beautiful that has a subject matter like it does. You know, I was really I, I was into some pretty, uh, um, like. I don't know if sardonic is the word, but into some pretty sinister songs that just like wigged me out. I mean, I remember uh-huh. like a few things. Like one of the things I remember hearing when I was really young, I mean, I, mean, I must have been eight or nine, I heard uh, that Spinal Meningitis song by Ween. <laughs> you know that song? That yeah. messed with me. Uh, and then there's another, and yeah. all, of course, I remember we, we went, I mean, not to digress too much, but I remember going to. Uh, the CD store. <laughs> That's what they sold. The CDs. Oh, I love CDs uh, still. CDs and uh, are best. my my mom got my brother. My brother um, Mark really wanted the Green Jelly CD, so my mom picked <laughs> yeah. that up. And we would listen to the Three Little Pigs song and laugh. <laughs> little pig, little pig. Yeah, exactly. Pig. <laughs> so stuff like that. Um, so you know, Dead it has that kind of uh, just the element of you know sinister. But really funny and also beautifully arranged. It's just like this beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Mildly yeah, funny. yeah. Hutch and I talked a lot about the backup vocals in that one. The especially the part that so I won't sit and more. Just like those weird the the backup vocals that just keep popping up uh, underneath, and then just like the droning Linnell's like just nasally, almost like a bagpipe type drone with his voice underneath those, like just making these little triads with the harmonies. It's just so great. What are, I mean, they're, they're, when did they meet? I, I, I should have phoned up a little more on their, on their history. Uh, the band started in 82, but the, the guys knew each other in school. They didn't go to the same, they went to the same high school, went to different colleges and then they both happened to move into the same apartment in Brooklyn on the same day, I believe, is the story. And we're like, hey, John. Oh, hey, John. I remember you. <laughs> it's, it's just insane that two people like that with voices that complement each other, like, spookily well. Like, it's it's trippy. How much A lot of people have like trouble birds. telling them apart. Yeah, yeah. And they're both named John. So <laughs> I would mm. hope if you had two 
two sons, you wouldn't name both of them John. That would be confusing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. I mean, the craziest thing is that they're still going so strong. I don't. I don't know. Uh, have you kept up with their recent catalog much? No, I, I kind of lost touch with with a lot of their work. I mean, they're so prolific, right? I mean, I remember when they did that that yeah. children's album. And they've they done five children's kids, albums, right? Oh my god, yeah. See. Yeah, five five kids albums. Though the the rumors that they're done with the kids albums, though, out of their their five best selling albums, Flood went platinum, and the other four of the top five uh, are kids albums that went gold. <laughs> so, uh, parents buy shit for their kids. You know, twenty, thirty somethings. We don't want to pay for shit. We don't want to pay for music. We're all used to streaming, you know, stuff like that. But parents will buy stuff for their kids. They'll actually spend money, and uh, yeah. Though they might be giants, they get onto the Billboard charts. They got two albums in the Billboard Top 20 last year because they didn't put them on streaming. They put out three uh, albums last bold year. Bold move. Very bold. That's a bold. They, yeah, they released a song every Wednesday in 2018. They put out an album in January, then a double-disc album in December that they did not put on streaming that went into the top 20 and then another collaboration album with a comic book artist that they also did not put on streaming and that went into the top 20 as well as well as they released the john henry demos i believe that landed somewhere in the billboard as well so that was all 2018 look yeah yeah it's nuts i i would i would recommend checking them out again because i i think i think they're doing as good a work as ever honestly yeah, it's always a matter of like finding the right starting point, right? Like when you have such a mountain of work to dive into, so it's good to maybe have a couple starting tracks. Sure. Yeah. So, but we're here to talk about a classic, classic "They Might Be Giants" song off of their first album, the self-titled self-titled album. Do you call it the self-titled album, uh, or the some people call it the Pink album? I'm not sure. What do you refer to it as? I generally go self-titled. Yeah, you know what? Until I got into like a bunch of like Facebook groups about them of giants and stuff, I heard people calling it the Pink Album. I'm like, what? I'm like, that's a thing. Just like it's their their debut. They're self-titled. It's they might be giants. So we're talking about she's an angel. Track eleven on their debut. So you heard Flood was the first album you heard, and then did you work your way backwards? Then is that? No, actually, that, Flood. Was- Flood was the only album I'd heard for quite a while. I mean, that's the thing. I'm, okay. I'm kind of one of the I'm one of the posers coming on here. Uh, <laughs> I just grew up on Flood. I mean, you know, I just you know, it's a major nostalgia album. For me. It makes me think, you know, of my childhood. Um, sure. The years. So uh, when I was in when I started college, I started dating this young man. I was about 19, and he made a compilation, like you know little mix CD for me and yeah. uh, she's an angel was on it along with many other excellent jams. He had, he had good taste, but uh, yeah. it was cool to get back into them just after all those years to find a new, new song to um, love. You mm-hmm. know? That's a good one. That, that's a good one to put on a, a, a mix for a lady friend for sure. Uh, she's an angel. Uh, was it the? Because there's there's been a lot of live versions released and stuff. It was the studio version that was on the the CD. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well then, 
what made you pick this song? Was it just, uh, I mean, the way you're talking about Flood, I mean, it seems like you would have gone for something off Flood, but this song on that mix is the one you picked to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, I was a bit older, and, uh, you know, um, to reconnect with them, it's a, it's a cool thing to, you know, a band like them, you certainly could grow up with a band like them, with the whole discography, actually. I mean, Joni Mitchell was like that for me. I mean, I, I grew up... Mm. Uh, different pockets of my life, just digging into um, different chapters of, of her career. And uh, I don't know, I, I started listening to that, to She's an Angel more recently, and that pre-chorus is just so solid with that slide guitar that comes in. Uh-huh, like yeah. The, you know? Right, it, it's yeah. Weird. Uh, why, why did they send her? Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I don't know the way the way they arrange is very compelling to me. Like I, I wonder how they would write that out. You know. Yeah, there's also a little a little tidbit here on, uh, that it's the only "They Might Be Giants" song that has um, an alternate guitar tuning, and it's only that the high E is dropped down to D so that he can do the slide. It's the only "They Might Be Giants" song that isn't just full standard guitar tuning. Oh, really? So that's a little inch. Yeah, so you can do the slide there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the the instrumentation, it's funny because they talk about uh, this song. I've heard this song talked about by the Johns a couple of times in that uh, when they would perform it, Linnell would play the bass line on accordion, just that low, it's a low B. Uh, and then... When it came to the record, they must have been smitten with some synthesizer and ended up using synth bass on the album track. And then they've they've actually brought it up like a couple times since then. Like, oh, why did we do that? We should have just kept it the accordion bass. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that that synth bass? I think I, I think it's, it's pretty it's, unique. It sounds pretty of its time, I would say. I mean, that's the, the production sure. on their work is is very. I mean, that was another reason. You know. Part of why I favor Dead so much is uh, it's one of the rare, and this isn't a, a, you know, I don't mean this to sound like such a criticism, but, you know, it, it does to me have a timeless quality, whereas a lot of the other songs, you know, the production has kind of a slight, you know, coming out of the 80s vibe to it, you know, a little 19, bit. Yeah, 1986, kind of yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And uh, Dead also avoids a little bit by having no drums. There's no drum machine to to date Dead at all because it's drumless. So. Right. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Uh, she's an angel. I remember when I first heard it, I just thought this is, you know, seems incorrect. <laughs> the way it's <laughs> recorded just is not, you know, this doesn't make any sense. It's such a weird, <laughs> what do you mean? It's such a weird... Uh, verse like it, it it's not i don't know they're so cartoonish i mean that's also what drew that me to them when i was a kid you know they were they almost i mean and it's funny you know i saw them appear in cartoons i mean they're they're on an episode of this old you know 90s called uh tiny tunes yeah exactly yeah they, they were on that and um I mean, and then later on in, in college, I remember seeing them on an episode of Home Movies. See, I should have picked the song <laughs> yeah. Taste the Fame. 
from Camp Campingston. Yeah. Oh God, I love home movies. Yeah, but oh, they're just, just I don't know. They're they're so there is something to be said about um such like brilliant musicians who are not at all afraid to be completely goofy. Mm-hmm. It's a goofy song. She's an angel, but you know, it's yeah. In some that, ways, uh, comes in. Well, when the, I mean, I'm not again. I, I I love that aspect of it. I love that they're not a cool band. I mean, as someone who is also in a not cool band, <laughs> I really appreciate. You know, I would say you guys are a cool band. Well, they, you know, I mean, the lack of fear of sounding like ugly. They're, they really care only, I, I mean, I don't know them. I can't say what they care about, but I, it seems like they're only invested in whatever, you know, whatever direction the song seems to be taking them. And right. uh, they just take these, uh, they make these, I mean, you know, there's an accordion in the chorus. That is an, a very yeah. unapologetic instrument. <laughs> to, Especially uh, at the time. I mean, you, you, now it's like, you'll see a lot of, I mean, Arcade Fire, you know, in December, it's like they come up with, with accordion and stuff. It started like the early aughts and stuff started getting bands where all these like trying to like make these nerdy, what were thought of as nerdy instruments. Cool again. But I mean, who else was rocking, you know, the accordion, you know, in a rock band context in the eighties. I mean, weird Al and they might be giants. That's pretty much it. (laughs) But, and also, you know, it's those two bands, I mean, and, and they're, they're great. Um, but I would view Arcade Fire and Decembris as being, you know, very a lot more serious. Like, kind of the, the oh, songs yeah. take themselves more seriously, and uh, they might be giants. Just don't. They don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not not to say that they're not uh, <laughs> serious about their craft. That's not what I mean. But just the songs themselves. Yeah, there's there's a fear fearless, you know goofball yeah 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 and i think that's the it's the juxtaposition there that they can have a line that makes you laugh but then also have lines that are really dark i mean like we talked about with dead like uh they can have those those things can coexist in the same song and i think that's a really hard thing to do and then yeah the instrumentation yeah yeah exactly like they you know they yeah they're not like an overly serious oh, we're so cool kind of rock band, but they do uh, obviously take their songs very seriously to, to be able to craft the things that they do. Um, you know, you might get a chuckle out of one of them, but uh, but then other ones, if you you might laugh at how absurdly dark it is. That's what that's what I laugh at a lot in They Might Be Giant songs. It's just like, whoa, dudes, that's like, uh, that's pretty dark, man. Yeah, I mean, that absurdity and depth can coexist the way that they do in a lot of their songs. Um, yeah, I mean, not to jump around between, you know, other songs that we're you know, not supposed to be talking about, but, you know, a song like yeah, your, you're allowed. Friend, <laughs> a song like your racist friend is like, you know, a, it's, it's so, I mean, it, it, God, that song feels actually even more relevant hearing it now to me. And, uh, you know, it's, yep. it's, <laughs> It's absurd. Well, it's not absurd. I don't know. Just yeah. that one's definitely. It's it's one of their more you know you could say political or socially conscious songs. I mean, not that they don't make points with their other songs, but they're 
their songs do remain the you know while they it may be dated by production like you said the 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 lyrics are usually pretty timeless because they don't like hitch themselves onto some some thing that's only going to be relevant for a few years some pop culture thing some political thing you know there's stuff like your racist friend yeah there's we're never you know as much as we would love racism to go away completely it it never will just because people are assholes and that song will always be relevant sadly yeah it's a shame how particularly pointed it feels now if you look on youtube there are some videos people have made soundtracked by this song of like uh uh, what's his name? Governor Christie, like with with Trump in the front, like people like lackeys and people that have like hitched themselves to the Trump thing. Uh, like <laughs> I don't know. There's weird little montages and stuff that people have soundtracked with your racist friend because uh, other people have uh, made that connection too. Like, man, this song is uh, it's hitting a little close to home right now. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. People don't seem to care who they're affiliating with. Uh, because uh, they think it'll help their career. Uh, anywho, <laughs> anywho, what do you, what do you make of the lyrics of "She's an Angel"? I have a hard time figuring that out. What to make of it? I think I'm just supposed to enjoy the visual. You know, I mean, it's 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 visual immediately. I met someone at the dog show. She's holding my left arm. Uh, I don't know where you know. I've listened to it a few times recently to kind of try to dig into that, but uh, it's it's funny because it's not it's it's not really as you know humor based as some of their other work. I think it really is this very sweet song, yeah. um, which is maybe a bit unusual for that time for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 This album was very artsy. Uh, it's one of their craziest. Uh, I mean, they've always had really wacky arrangements and things where they're they're trying to to push the their sonic limits. But this one is just like, it's almost like their version of a power ballad or something. But it's it's totally not like any other band's power ballad. But it's like if they were gonna like we're gonna write a sweet love song, our power ballad. She's an angel. This is it. But it's still so bizarre. No, I, I don't know how to classify it, really. I mean, you know, uh, it could exist somewhat in the alternative world. It does have this, you know, I mean, even the timing of it, the, the, the tempo of it is odd. Um, yeah, it's that, very like, plodding. You know, the slide kicks in and it's sad and, um, not sad, but but wistful i guess uh-huh sure and, and then it kicks into that you know that slightly poppier chorus with the mm-hmm. accordion um but yeah it's it, it's always kind of confounded me as a song i enjoy it but they're they were a really hard i i don't know i i'm i wish i could explain the other other songs i could explain a lot better because they're just (laughs) well it's it's really nice to listen to them and not know exactly what they mean a lot of the time but they just sound so their voices are you know 
who sounds like those two voices together. I mean, it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's one they're they're one voice really when they're when they're both singing. Well, I guess there's only the one John singing on that. Whole I think song, it's though. just no John Linnell singing in this one. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's yeah. any any harmonies to speak of in this one. Yeah, I think John Linnell's doing the only singing. Uh, Flansburg on the guitar, obviously, and then Linnell doing the synth bass and the accordion on this arrangement. Um, but yeah, the the lyrics, like, it, it gets very, I mean, it puts you in a very specific place, saying that you met someone at the dog show, right? And then it talks about the Shriners loaned us cars, we raced up and down the sidewalk 20,000 million times. Like, it's just a very, yeah, the imagery is just very... <laughs> odd it's like this love story but then these weird things just happen right off the bat and you're like is this for real or it's so mad we're supposed to take this just like yeah of course we did of course we no big deal yeah it's first date you know we drove around shriners cars (laughs) and and then so are we supposed to believe that this person i i think one of the biggest things is that is the narrator dead or is the narrator is it like an angel coming to get this person to take them? Or because um, it seems like there's more going on than most like, you know, like pickup artists like, oh, you must be an angel. You did it hurt when you fell from heaven, blah, 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 like that kind of thing. Because it's talking about like, you know, she grabbed his left arm. They're talking about how he's like, how should I react? I'm trying to look nonchalant. There's this angel here. Like it seems like he's saying a more literally there's an angel here right i don't know how do you take that i don't know because the, the you know the chorus is that you know when you're following an angel it doesn't mean you have to throw your body off a building um that's kind of a hopeful line i would think which i guess doesn't necessarily mean that death isn't involved um death right. and hope, i guess can can be together can coexist mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i mean that's the thing. Like, I, 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 the whole song. I, I can't tell why she's there. I mean, um, it does, it does strike me as a she's a protector more than anything. That's how, how mm-hmm. I kind of thought it. That you or know, she like, shows up and she knows what's going on, and he doesn't. Right. Right. Or is it someone that he already loved, and she has passed away? He's talking about all these things, like, yeah, like, does he want to join her? Does he want to throw his body off the building? But they're saying. You know, when you're following an angel, do you have to do that to be with this person? Uh, and he's like or thinking, it's like I, I mean, I, right? He's like, I heard they have a space program, but when they when they sing, you can't hear. There's no air. Like he's like he's like pining for this this heavenly place. You know, this space 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 place. <laughs> Gonna ask but for my admission, so right, Saint no Peter? Yeah, so maybe it's, you know, he's thinking about the loneliness of, of space, which he's equating to heaven, which I guess you could equate to death, the loneliness of death. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm speculating, obviously. but uh, Oh, that's that's what this podcast is for. Because they don't spell it out, that's what, I, that's what me and my guests do. We... Uh, yeah, we take stabs in the dark. I mean, how are, we're, would we ever confirm whether we are right or not? Who cares? I really don't think it's supposed to be defined whether he's alive or dead. Yeah, I don't okay. think you're supposed to know. Because uh, he's, you know, 
it's really just that that torture, <laughs> the the um, really interesting torture of thinking about death and what happens. And are we alone? Are we singing and no one can hear? There's no air. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I kind—I of, think I kind of like that. Other times I think I'm already there, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And so that again, merging death with the here and now. There's that line, uh, you know, not line, but like there's that term memento mori, you know, where we're supposed to be living with death. Um, I mean, that's the thing, you know, in my songwriting, I, I tend to bring death up quite a bit, and that's probably mm-hmm. another thing that drew me drew me to their band. Um, because it's not something that most, especially now, anybody wants to think about. I mean, we want to be young. We not only want to live forever, we want to be young forever. And right. so yeah. the band just boldly start addressing death and so many other songs. And not only death, but, you know, the possibility of what happens. I mean, again, to bring up the song Dead, at the end of his life, he's a bag of groceries. What a mundane <laughs> sad you know you show up in the, the store that's what a bummer yeah. um, but also how funny would that be right <laughs> for all that you just end up on a shelf in the grocery store yeah mm-hmm. it's it's yeah it's something definitely bands if they want to have big you know if they want to have singles on the radio you're not going to be singing about death you know that's that's for damn sure you know and these guys you know they 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 had you know legitimate hits especially in their early days um radio hits college radio hits especially and they were not catering to any specific they sang about what they wanted to well i miss that about you know i know this, this song came out in the 80s right but uh uh so much of what followed that in the 90s i mean i grew up on uh bands that the craziest lyrics on the radio hit songs i mean you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of songs like Paranoid Android and Karma Police. I mean, you know, I grew up on Radiohead yeah. as well. And oh, yeah. even, you know, cornier bands, I guess, like live, Lightning Crashes. I mean, oh, yeah. The fall <laughs> to the floor. You just don't. Oh, you yeah. yeah. That Throwing copper, like that it was. Man. Could be like on the hey. top billboard list. And of course, now, you, I don't know, not to be cynical, but I just, I don't think popular music really is quite as adventurous with uh, how dark, I mean, you know, I get losing my religion. I mean, just uh, so much of uh, people were singing about death a lot in the nineties. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And, Alternative and, and rock, it, baby. I'm scared of it again. We're, we're really freaked out about it again. Perhaps it's a little too real. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe oh, people want there. escapism now more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think I think I want to show you a video of them playing this in 1990 from the duo era. Yeah, so go ahead and just just watch a minute of that. Check that out. It's uh, the video's got a pretty good vibe, and I love a good bootleg video from the 90s before everyone had a cell phone. <laughs> The Shriners loaned us cars We raced them in the other side 
This is actually my first time ever seeing what they look like. Are you for real? I'm not kidding you. I've never, I've never watched, I've never watched uh, them perform. Do you never <laughs> see any of the music videos off of uh, Flood, like Birdhouse? No, I mean I listened to the album so many times, but I never saw the videos. No, that's crazy. The only version Lin- of <laughs> told they're you, I'm great, a man. Dude. I'm a major. Lin- your biggest they might be giants poser that you have. <laughs> oh no 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 I, I had a guy on who only knew two of their songs before he did an episode but i thought it was a funny twist <laughs> it's all good but i love how flansburg is wearing a ramon shirt and linnell like it's just adorable and i he's love how he, like, out that guitar he's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah flansburg's like, going nuts <laughs> And Linnell, like, coughs, like, right into the microphone. I was just going to say, he coughs right into the mic. He doesn't care. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is such, that, that, that entire, uh, that's in London in 1990. That uh, entire concert can be found on, on YouTube. And it's all from that exact angle with an exact, like, lovely blown out sound that you get from a, a video like that. It's amazing. Frankly. It's funny to think of at that time people with like giant camcorders out in the audience, maybe too, filming these. Yeah, 1990. Yeah, like a handheld camera was still kind of like you had to hoist it on your shoulder, I'd imagine. Yeah, pretty bulky. Yeah. It's a bold move bringing that into a show. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, definitely man. is an official video. It's not, there's no way that's an official video. <laughs> um, And then, well, let's see. I think. Maybe then if you heard what they, when they do it with the full band now, because then, you know, they expanded to a four piece with John Henry. They've had some other um, backing band uh, members, but since 99, actually since 2000, they've had the same three guys backing them up, Dan Miller, Danny Weinkoff, and Marty Beller. And, but let's see, what would be a good live version Actually, this one's a bit previous to that. They released a uh, they released an album called uh, Severe Tire Damage in '97. Um, trying to remember off the top of my head what the lineup was on this one. But why don't you just check out real quick? Here you can hear uh, with full live drummer and all that stuff a version of She's an Angel. Check this out. Is the four piece? Uh, let me look up the credits for this one. Oh, we also get there's a tuba player on this. Look here, that tuba. That's crazy. Maniacs. Mm-hmm. 
I met someone at the dog show She was holding my left arm But everyone was acting normal So I tried to look nonchalant We both said I really love you Shriners loaned us cars We raced up and down the sidewalk 20,000 million times They don't happen at all In fact, when you're fun of an angel Does it mean you have to throw your body off a building? Somewhere they're beating on a pinhead Calling you an angel, calling you the nicest thing I heard they had a space program When they sing, you can hear there's no air Sometimes I think I kinda like that And other times I think Dang, yeah. these guys really got something against the bass guitar. <laughs> Anything but a bass guitar, tuba, I don't care. Just there, no bass guitar. The, the, the credits online do list that the uh, Tony uh, Maomi, who was in uh, Pier Ubu, played bass with them for a little while. Okay. And he actually is listed as the bass player on this, but I think the tuba definitely has the prominent spot in the mix. <laughs> but uh, I, I love that version. That's <laughs> so great. Oh, when it kicks into the slide, it's so badass. It's like yeah. so meek when it starts out. Yeah, meek and slow. And then it, and then it, cause it's an even more distorted slide they got going on that version, which I really like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that this this song has taken on many forms over over their their tenure for sure. Well, this um, is a malleable structure too, just the way it's built. I mean, it really could be in a number of of tempos when I think about mm-hmm. it or speeds. I mean. Yeah, yeah, the song does go a lot of places for being you know for just like usual with them. Uh, their songs are never too long. I mean, this song is actually kind of long in that it cracks three minutes. Uh, which is, is rare for them. Um, or is it just the live version? How long is the studio version? Uh, let's see. 2.37. Yeah, the album version, yeah, they, they rarely crack three minutes. That live one has a little bit of that intro featuring the tuba and stuff. But yeah, the song goes a lot of places in, in under three minutes with that kind of dirge-like almost. Like the verse is only one note. It's just B the whole way through. And then... And then, yeah, the slide guitar, the kind of weepy slide guitar of the pre-chorus, and then starts kicking in with the eighth notes in the chorus. And then it goes back to the dirge again. Like, it really goes a lot of places for being such a short song. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, I I can't pin it down just as a number. I just can't pin down, like, even the mood. uh, Yeah. I mean, dreamy, yeah, it's pretty dreamy. Yeah, yeah, and especially, yeah, the, the lyrical... Lyrical matter helps with that as well. Uh, you want to hear some other people's takes on this? Got some good For ones. Sure. Yeah, let's do. Let's do Bob Nana first. Now, Bob Nana. For people that don't know, uh, I grew up on his band Braid. 
I was big into that strain oh, yeah. of emo music. Nice. Emo. And I was also huge into Hey Mercedes, his band after that. But Bob Nana did, uh, let me send you this link here. He created a list of his favorite 365 songs of all time. And She's an Angel came in at, what does he say? 71 out of, it's his 71st favorite song of all time. She's an Angel. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I like making lists. So he said he came up with that list in 2001. And he said it took him 14 years to maybe finish this project. Actually, this was posted 2016, so looks like it took him 15 years to get to this one. <laughs> How long is he going to so. make the list? Oh, I guess it took him <laughs> one year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah. Go ahead and give that one a listen. Met someone at the dog show. She was holding my left arm. Everyone was acting normal, so I tried to look nonchalant. We both said, I really love you. The Shriners loaned us cars. We raced up and down the sidewalk 20,000 million times. Why did they send her over anyone else? How should I react? These things happen to other people. just like the bedroom pop element there just very simple but effective and then like he doubles the vocal in the the chorus just a very nice touch there yeah that's a man yeah i like that uh shuffly drum drum machine beat i'm always yeah. more sucker for that mm-hmm yeah for sure yeah and it's just it's just a testament to a great song that you can do it so many different ways and the band themselves does it so many different ways that like this the song that's underneath no matter what the arrangement is the song is great enough to be a great cover no matter how you do it really so now let's listen to a ska cover oh boy the bruce lee band mike park was also uh, he was on an episode as well and i'm a big fan of asian man records and everything that mike park does oh, he's uh, so yeah. this yeah, he's just the raddest dude. Um, he just reissued the Algernon Cadwallader records. What's that? He just reissued my friend's old band's records. Uh, they were called Algernon Cadwallader. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah. Joe, yeah, Joe, man, band. Joe plays guitar in our band, and he was the lead guitarist of Algernon. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Asian Man is, is great. I pretty much like in, uh, in the not pre-internet era, but the slow internet era, without being able to preview things, I would just buy stuff off Asian Man because I'm just like, it's probably good, and then it pretty much always was. Nice. So uh, the Bruce Lee Band, this is from 1996, uh, a very kind of, I've described it as a very uh, appropriately spastic version of She's an Angel, so <laughs> check that out. All right. 
someone at a dog show She was holding my left arm Everyone was acting normal So I tried to act nonchalant We both said I really love you The Shriners loaned us cars We raced up and down the sidewalk 20,000 million times Why, why this ever? Anyone else How would I react? These things happen to other people They don't happen all I would never have guessed that it makes perfect sense as a ska song. Wouldn't have guessed. Of course it does. Um, when you're following an angel, it's perfect for that. Clever. Um, that's always a great thing when you when you pick a cover and you decide to totally mess with the approach and then somehow it actually works perfectly, uh, you know, in a, in a completely alternate take mm-hmm. thing. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other, other covers that are like that. But yeah, it, it works great as a ska song. And uh, I can't believe... He gets away with speeding it up that much and keeping the, the <laughs> lyrics intact. You had, you had to kind of rush through a few of those lines, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he makes it. It's great. Yeah, I mean, going all the way back to like Skank and Pickle days, Mike Park is good at cramming a lot of syllables into a very short space. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, this next one I got for you is off a, a, a big uh, tribute compilation called Hello Radio. Uh let me check on the the year on that. Um, this version is pretty pretty well put together. Very good recording and another different take on it. Uh, and it's by um, Charles Douglas, who I know nothing else about. But just go ahead and check that out. I met someone at the dog show. She was holding my left arm, but everyone was acting normal. rewrote the verse yeah the whole thing he does this weird trick too that because i was listening to it i'm like oh he goes faster but then he actually does this trick where the music sounds it's propelling itself it sounds like faster but the lyrics are actually slower 
the rhythm is actually slower. It's almost like he kicks it into like a double time almost and then pulls it back. Yeah. That's a weird, weird trick. Yeah, um, that's a... That's a it, it kind of... Uh, that one cruises more than the other ones all do. It's a little like steady all, all the way through. He kind of gets rid of that. Yeah. kind of gets rid of that um, plotting kind of vibe. Like that mm-hmm. kind of... Um, it's a lot straighter. Right. I mean, it still works in its own way. So this compilation came out in 2006. Some of the bigger names on it, um, Frank Black does a cover of Road Movie to Berlin. Um, OK Go is on it from, I think this is probably right before they blew up. That's awesome that uh, Frank bigger. Black covers them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Self, If you, I don't know if you know the band Self. Uh, the Wrens are on it. Those are probably the bigger names on there um but yeah i I like that version yeah it definitely you know took a risk trying it you know his own way i don't really know much about that guy though now let's see what else i feel like i'm throwing too many at you you got time for what you got time for a couple more sure what are your thoughts about chiptune are you familiar with chiptune i I mean, I, I've heard of it. What is chiptune? <laughs> oh, wait. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this one, let's see. This on SoundCloud. Ed Herbers. Uh, again, I don't know. I think it's just some uh, someone's cover or someone's home recording. She's an Angel 8-bit cover. And it's got a funny picture of a guy with a toy accordion on uh, the art. Yeah, when did this come out? Ed Herbers put this up on SoundCloud, and what's the date on this? Oh, six months ago! Whoa, okay, that's fresh one. <laughs> wow. Just right off the bat, I'm gonna say that sounds like Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> nice. I met someone at the dog show. She was holding my left arm. Everyone was acting normal, so I tried to look nonchalant. We both said I really love you. The Shriners loaned us cars. We raced up and down the sidewalk 20,000 million times. Why did they send her over anyone else? How did I? What did you think of that that that, that silly little chip tune version? That was trippy. That was uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that approach works. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> somehow it's just it's it just sounds fun. That was my favorite. 
Scott version was my fave. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I think the last one because I'm uh, totally have no shame. I think I need to plug in the one that I guest appeared on on accordion, uh, my friend's band called Frank Buffin, and this is on the compilation that I released for the podcast. Uh, it was from our live episode. The episode was on Don't Let's Start, but we had a whole live set after of rotating musicians, and my friend's band Frank Muffin played, and I guessed it on accordion with them i i showed this to to you ahead of time but if you want to yeah. do a little bit more but um sure, so got to do that that accordion bass and how long as they in, intended how long have i played accordion how long yeah um let's see my mom got my grandpa's fixed up for me when i was 18 and i'm almost 38 so all right going on about 20 years yes i took accordion lessons in my late 20s just to make my way around the bass keys a little better and i was in an accordion ensemble uh, when i lived in bloomington indiana because uh bloomington's a hipster enough town that uh, could uh, support that kind of thing <laughs> love bloomington yeah i miss it a lot lafayette's cool but bloomington is more artsy kind of weirdo town mm. actually get a little bit of vocal harmonies in that one uh it's a husband and wife that that uh leading that band hans and Brittany rees uh are bassist and uh the one guitar in there doing those vocal harmonies i like a lot in the uh the chorus nice yeah i mean i, I you know it's it's a, it's a little got a little more reverence for the original um mm-hmm. overall but i like that heavy intro too yeah, yeah, I think Brittany put uh, she had like a uh, you know a fuzz pedal on her bass on that that part. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of a, a fuzz pedal. Um, should try running my accordion through a fuzz pedal or something. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> right like a big muff. <laughs> be yeah. Oh, I got a big muff. That people would probably you could probably make it sound like a guitar if you <laughs> ran it through all that gain. Yeah, I mean, it would sound like heavy, heavy as fuck, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many chords. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's already so reedy and uh, buzzy as it is. Uh, uh, yeah. How have I not done that yet? I don't know. <laughs> a big mouth and a corn <laughs> pedal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd so be great. Wild. Okay, so uh, I think just to the final portion of the podcast, I'm going to make you score the song. Now, since you're not a full giant's head familiar with the entire catalog, pretty much all you need to do is is you're scoring it against stuff that you're familiar with of them. So, you know, obviously just what you know of them, where would this song rank? You know, if you're going one out of ten, decimals are acceptable, how would this song score into comparison with uh, your other favorites by They Might Be Giants? Well, I mean, you know, it's not not fair because I, you know, <laughs> what I have like an un, I, I have an unreasonable uh, reverence for that record yeah. <laughs> on on uh-huh. on being a child to it and uh, really enjoying. Sure. Um, because the thing that I liked about Flood is that even though it's not a, it's not one of their children's albums at all, uh, I completely in a weird way. I don't know if I related to it, but it, it, it just was one of the few albums that wasn't speaking above my head, you know, the way right. that any adult I was listening to, um, yeah. You know, yeah. being cool and brooding and everything. I mean, they, they uh, yeah, it was kind of a special feeling. I'd give it like an 8.5, 8. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. That's that's good score. That's good score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one for me, this is a, a top tier. They might be giant song for me. I'm, but I'm gonna give it a ten. Only given three of those, so I think I think this is a ten for me. And if you look on, if if you're uh, if if you ever want to go down to They Might Be Giants rabbit hole sometime, and and check out more of their stuff, there's a very comprehensive wiki. TMBW, this might be a wiki, and you can score songs on there. And this song currently of their, there's 900 songs in the database. That's how prolific these guys are. There's 900 songs. This is at number four. You picked a banger, I'll tell you. This is a, this is this is a, a fan favorite to say the least. I feel four. bad that I gave it an 8.5. I mean, it's a great song. It just, uh, it just doesn't allowed. have You're... that, you know, it, Flood was such a, yeah, such a big part of But don't scores change for you? Because you, you've been a longtime fan. You don't ever change your scores? Yeah. You know, it's you know, it's it's all subjective, and yeah, who knows? You know, I'm I'm keeping track. I've got a big spreadsheet of all my scores, just so I can you know make sure I'm fitting stuff in appropriately because I'm a total nerd about it. But uh, Flood does hold a special place for me, though I would call Apollo 18 my favorite album. But of like, I'm just such a sucker for the big John Linnell hooks. And she's an angel has just like the way that chorus hits is just undeniable for me. Um, let's see. I gave dead. I get gave dead an eight. See, I, I usually rate songs lower than my guests just because I got to leave some headroom for stuff like she's an angel, but it's a 10 for me dead for sure. 10. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> Dead's a 10. Yeah. yeah. Dead is great. Like, I mean, but like even just going through floods track list, you'd be like, Oh, that's a 10. That's a 10. Well, that's gotta mm-hmm. be another 10. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a killer it's, it's, album. 
it's fucking great. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. Oh, well, yeah, Francis, thanks so much for being on this episode. It's been a lot of fun having you on and uh, uh, talking about an amazing song. So thanks. Thanks again. Thank you. Can I make a request? It's, uh, sure. Can you can you play Taste the Fame? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Hey, if you want to be, you know, I that song for some somehow has escaped my if you wanted to do a whole episode on that sometime down the line, we could. All right. <laughs> I would do a whole episode on that. I've the, <laughs> There's ones that I've been debating about. Like, they've done a lot of theme songs and stuff like that. Like, I'm not sure if I could do the a full episode on the theme song to the Travel Channel's Amazing Vacation Homes theme song, but you know, oh. that they did. Or, like... Um, like the arrangement, uh, the Daily Show theme song that they did. Maybe oh, I could do an episode oh, yeah. on that one. Oh, it's dang. tough. They have so many little, little, little ditties. They did a whole run of Dunkin' Donuts commercial songs. What a cool <laughs> career! What a cool <laughs> career! They're like, that's the thing. Anytime musicians find a way to, because it can be kind of a, um, not repetitive, but yeah, like a, a patterned. Uh, routine kind of life you know you, you uh make records you go on tour make another record go on tour i mean it's 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 not a particularly it it, it doesn't necessarily end, end up being as dynamic as one might want in some uh-huh. careers but they have such a dynamic portfolio of crazy they got songs in the new spongebob musical yeah see that so <laughs> That's got They're all over the place. So uh, rewarding, <laughs> I would think. Yeah, yeah. They're finding some really fun ways to pay their bills. That's for sure. Yeah, keep keep life that. interesting. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you know, you you spend your life honing your craft, but then that means you're spending your life with your craft all the time. But they find a way to make it uh, compelling for them. I hope. Yeah, seems like yeah. it. Yeah, and these guys are about to hit 60. I mean, these guys, they've been going for a long time. Yeah. And they're still, the output is still amazing and plentiful. It's a good band to have a podcast about. <laughs> yeah. Good choice. Yeah. So have fun in Europe. That's going to be amazing. Thank you. So, and everybody yeah, out there, great. check out Hop Along. Uh, Bark Your Head Off Dog uh, came out last year, and it is an amazing album. You should all go check that out. So, Francis Quinlan, thanks again. And uh, I think with that, we'll bid you adieu. So, have a good one. Thanks, Greg. Have a great night. I appreciate it. Chicago area listeners, don't forget July 26th, our live episode about Birdhouse in Your Soul, featuring Outdoor Valor and Headliners Pet Symmetry. That's July 26th at G-Man Tavern. And if you find the Facebook event, there's a link to pre-sale tickets that are cheaper than at the door. So go check that out. Hit us up. This might be a pod at gmail.com. On Twitter at this might be a pod. Facebook.com slash this might be a podcast. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, that is 224-801. Two nine three zero. See you later. 
When you're following an angel, doesn't mean you have to throw your body off a building. Somewhere the midden on a pinhead, calling you an angel, calling you the nicest thing. I heard they had a space program when they sing, you can't hear, there's no Sometimes I think I kinda like that, and other times I think I am already there. When you're following an angel, doesn't mean you have to throw your body off a building. Some of them on a pinhead, calling you an angel, calling you the night.